Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. And today we are talking about how to scale your business by licensing your methodology with Steve Hackney. Now, uh, as you can see, my, my voice is a bit, if you can hear, um, my voice is a bit rough. I just came back from um, four days in Croatian, a private island, spending time with uh, many multimillionaires there, uh, attending a private mastermind, uh, like party slash mastermind. It was an absolute great time. I'm going to share with you uh, in the next few episodes uh, what I've learned from those connections and also how to network with uh, high net worth individuals. So that's going to be part of the next episodes and make sure you check out for what's coming up. Also, uh, one of the best ways to create clients is to make money running seminars, webinars, and you need to create sales presentations that convert. And uh, that's why I've created the Ultimate Selling from the State Checklist which is the most comprehensive checklist to create a pitch that sells, but without using the sleazy or manipulative techniques. And you can find the link in the show notes and you can download the checklist right now. So back to the show, let me talk about Steve Hackney. Steve was a former celebrated rugby union professional for over 20 years since he has applied his elite sporting attributes to growing businesses and especially helping coaches and consultants to reach their true potential and build successful businesses. He has trained and developed over 2,000 coaches and consultants worldwide, and now Steve and his team work with the new established coaches and consultants, providing them with world-class, ready-to-go client acquisition tools and coaching and consulting systems, making it easier for them to succeed. And in this episode, in fact, we talk about how to get clients' results first, how to create and license services to deliver the results, and also winding the system for you and the client. You will absolutely love the conversation that we have about rugby, sports, and as well, how you can scale your business by licensing your methodology. You will absolutely love that. Uh, You can also see uh, the video, watch the video, or read the interview transcripts at www.gtex.org.uk forward slash two three two uh also if you haven't joined our community then join our facebook group where you can connect with the hundreds actually what i say thousands of experts like yourself all where you can all help each other support each other and get exclusive bonus training i'm doing one this week actually on how to create webinars and how to sell from webinars uh, you will absolutely love that. Join our Facebook group at Explode Your Expert Biz Community on Facebook or just scroll down in the show notes and click the link. Now it's time to get started. Enjoy episode 232, How to Scale Your Business by Licensing Your Methodology with Steve Ackney. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. I'm here with my good friend Steve Acne. How are you doing, Steve? I'm very good, Simone. How How are you? 
I'm mean, I'm really well. Thank you very much. A bit of a crazy period in this time. I got a lot of speaking gigs, which I'm I'm really happy about. But I'm traveling uh, a lot of. Excellent. Tra- it's a very travel intensive. Um, but uh, good to hear. We are here. We are here today. Is not about me as much as I love to talk about myself. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> is about you. Uh, you're running an incredible business. Uh, so tell us a bit more about uh, how did you get started in uh, in this industry and um, and what you do right now yeah good question so so we run a coaching consulting business where basically we we work with our coaches and consultants and they they work with business owners to help business owners grow their business and we give our coaches and consultants the tools to be able to do that how i got here crikey how long have we got um (laughs) I mean, I, I guess the best place to start is, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I was a I was a very good rugby player. But when I started playing rugby, rugby union was unfortunately amateur. So we had to work for a living, um, even though our love was the sport. So it was it was it was literally it was 100 percent amateur. Um, and I started playing senior rugby when I was 16. So God, that's a long time ago. Um, but actually, luckily enough, rugby union went professional in 1995. Mm-hmm. Now, that time I was 27. So those of you with, with uh, a bit of maths um, now will know that I'm just over 50 now. Um, but yeah, so rugby went professional when I was 27. And it was a, a complete shock to us because, you know, even even though leading up to that, um, there was something called shamaterism in, in rugby union, where basically there was a number of players and clubs that were paying players, backhanders, all that kind of stuff. We honestly didn't think we'd get paid to play rugby. Mm-hmm. And um, after the World Cup in 1995, the International Rugby Board turned around and said, hey, we're just going to end shamaterism and rugby's going from completely amateur to 100% professional, literally overnight. Wow. And I think um, John Alomu, bless him, um, was probably very instrumental in that because he was probably the first mega star in rugby. And he came alive really in terms of his performances during the 95 World Cup um, when he ripped England apart um, in the semifinals. Um, and I think that was quite instrumental in his, his going professional. Hmm. But because I was 27 at the time, I'd, I'd obviously had to have a career. And my career back then was I was the sales and marketing manager for a large commercial insurance broker. Mm-hmm. And then, like most people, um, I got to 27. Luckily, I was at the richest club in the world at the time, so a club called Leicester Tigers, uh, based here in the UK, uh, one of the most successful clubs. Um, and we we had a, a, a membership of about 15 to 20,000 people, you know, paying every single every single year. So it was, it was a it's a big club, Good. it's a huge club. But because it was amateur for all those years, the club were just basically banking the money. They were obviously improving <laughs> the facilities and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but so, nothing to the players. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. But obviously, when it came to to professional professionalism, the club were probably in the best position in in all the clubs across the world to be able to pay the players fairly handsomely. So we, we were lucky in that respect because obviously we were at Leicester, and there was some. You know, I played with some greats, people like Martin Johnson, who who lifted the World Cup with England, Dean Richards, Austin Healy, Will Green, all these players, Joel Stransky, mm-hmm. and um, we were all just in the right place at the right time, and. But the thing is, as I said, I was 27 at the time. So my career had kind of built to the point because obviously I need to support my wife and my family. And um, so what I, what I did was, because I was 27, I'm thinking, look, if I'm, if I'm lucky, I'll have four or five years left as a professional rugby player. As it happened, I had four years. Um, so I thought, look, I've got I've to either 
keep doing what I'm doing, which was pretty difficult because we went fully professional or start mm. a new business. So that's what I did. I started my first business, called it Hackney Marketing back in the day. And I decided to become a consultant, mm. as you do. And, and you know, it's the old, uh, the e-myth thing, the, the entrepreneurial myth. I was pretty good at sales yep. and marketing and had built, helped build that business. But I was, a sm- you know, I was one of a couple of hundred in that organization. Mm-hmm. And then you come out and start, start your own business and then realize, oh, my God, this is so much more complicated than just yeah. being a technician working in a business. I guess you and all, all your listeners have, have been through that process. The only thing is that I would say is that I was pretty lucky because you know, normally when people decide to set up their own business, we, we do it based on the fact that we know that we can be successful. But usually um, we're not well financed. We you know, we're taking a huge amount of risk and all those other things that come into play. But because rugby was supporting me and my family, it kind of didn't really matter. What mattered was Mm -hmm. I needed to build that business. So when I retired, I had a kind of seamless transition. Yeah. Which fortunately is 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 kind of what happened. And um, really, I've I've been sort of consulting for for really since then. Um, I mean, back then, cut business coaching wasn't really around i mean you're, you're a bit younger than me so mm. you might not remember this but sort of back in the you know mid 90s um to early 20s uh, 2000s is that you know co- consulting was was obviously very well known but there wasn't really much business coaching mm-hmm. and i kind of um and i didn't re- i didn't invent the wheel of coaching but there was there wasn't really anybody like you or like me to come to and say right okay i'm going to be a coach how the hell do i do it yeah 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 uh, so, you know, back then, there wasn't really anything like that. So I I got to a point when I was consulting that I was working with a number of clients. But um, the, the way that I see consulting, by the way, is that when you're consulting, basically, you do most of the work. Um, mm-hmm. When you're coaching, the client is doing the work and you're guiding them through it. That's how kind of mm-hmm. we differentiate between the two things. I don't know if you do the same. Um, and the problem was that, you know, I was working with, say, a dozen consulting clients. And it was just getting too much. You know, I, I loved consulting, but it was getting to a point where I was just working. Up. Yeah, because then you were working every day. Almost yeah, probably. just yeah. you know, crazy hours and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Actually, you know, crazy hours doesn't. doesn't did, were you consulting for a major client or did you have a few different clients you were consulting with at a point? Yeah, I was working with small and medium sized businesses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had about a dozen at that at that time when I thought. Yeah, I need to change something here. And that's when I kind of got into sort of a coaching model. And as I said, it was pretty difficult back then because there was nobody really to turn to and say, well, how, how do you do coaching? You know, what, what do you base it on? How do you how do you do it? So I kind of took what I did in consulting. It's the sort of stuff that you that you um, teach your, your, your people and kind of t- took what we did with consulting and then kind of created a, a coaching program that would facilitate, um, if you like, the client being the consultant in their own business, but us facilitating that process mm-hmm. for them. And it went really, really well. Um, and as I said earlier, my my expertise is helping people grow their businesses. And so, so the coaching element meant that I I would be doing less less of the work, but I would guide the client through that that process yeah. for them to become really successful. And I'd say one of the things that I first did that made a huge difference, and it's something that I think um, you know the listeners would appreciate, is I did something quite radical back in the day. I because what most of us do is we we copy we copy what the best are doing. Well, that's that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that that I think is is a wise thing to do is, is look at what the best people are doing and, and kind of model model yourself on them. And back then, when I was consulting, um, most people would would use the, the the normal model, which is still prevalent today, which is, you know, you charge by the by the hour or the day, and yeah. you know, obviously. The more experienced and, and, and expert you become and the more of an authority, as you tell people, then obviously the fees start 
climbing up. Mm-hmm. The, the challenge with that is is that you don't break the connection between time and money. So you're paid by the hour or by the day. And and with a, with a couple of clients that I'd had massive success with, you know, I'd earned good money, but I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I've I've created multimillionaires out of these people, and okay, I've I've, I've earned maybe a six figure sum, but it, it it's peanuts in comparison to what mm-hmm. I've helped them achieve. And so I thought there's got to be a better way, and that's when I created a success fee on the back end. And um, so so all the consulting um, arrangements that I set up and what we 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 basically. Yep. That our our coaches and consultants to do is to to have a back end success fee. We do it based on the increase in turnover, and because because we're working with businesses to help grow their business, it's kind of a, a logical thing to do. So, mm-hmm. what that does, it kind of breaks the if you like the breaks the that strong bond between charging yeah. fees. So, so you can you can get a bonus at the end of your work. It's like okay, I've done I've done a good work. Give me give me my bonus right now. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so that that was that was a pretty significant um, shift in terms of how um, to make a lot more money for the efforts that you put in without you having to put more effort in. So kind of making money while you sleep, really, and then you're relying obviously on your tactics and strategies and the client implementing those to to help sure. do that. Uh, and now and now you have uh, you've created a company, Core Asset, and um, uh, where you give. Uh, for what I'm understanding is that you give those models uh, of uh, how you went into the businesses and teaching to other people, other coaches, other consultants, so then they can go in and uh, know what to do with their clients and get great results. Is that? Yeah, that, that that's it. So yeah, we're, we're, we're very niche in terms of helping small, medium-sized businesses grow. Mm-hmm. And we say to our coaches and consultants, look, if, if that if that's the sort of thing that, that gets you excited, that, you know, that you're helping people to grow their businesses. And obviously, excuse me, in the field of coaching and consulting, there are so many different, very different disciplines that, that sure. are so exciting. It doesn't have to be business growth, but that's the thing that we do. And I know, you know, a lot of your clients are, are very, very varied in terms of their disciplines. Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably a few things that, that I could probably um, – that, that we do that I think would, would maybe help a lot of people. When, one of the things I realized when, when, we set, when we set this up is the first thing is is that I've always said I will always coach and consult. I'll always have my own private clients. Mm. I don't have many for obvious reasons, but I think that's quite an important thing because I never want any of our coaches or consultants saying to me, well, Steve, you know, what you're talking about was, was fine 15 years ago, but like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be real. You know, it's 2019, so you know they, they'll never be able to do that, and yeah. and that helps keep me and and my other business partners who, who who also coach and consult right at the forefront of it. But I think I think one of the things, and I know you 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 practice this and preach this. I I, I think the the core to building any successful coaching consulting business is to base the entire business on getting results for the clients, whatever result mm-hmm. whatever results mean in terms of what you're providing. For me, if you if you base your business on generating results for the client and you then kind of um, mold everything around that, then not only are you going to have clients that love you, but you're also going to find it so so much easier to get clients because the results you generate Absolutely. for clients. Yeah. So, so what I what I did, which I think was pretty unique, is certainly when it comes to coaching. Obviously, with consulting, it's different because with consulting, you're doing most of the work. So mm-hmm. the client doesn't need an implementation plan, just the coach or the cons. Yeah, well, the you're cons- implementing it for them. Absolutely. But when it comes to coaching, what, what I found was, and, and, and I struggled with this early on, was I had a great sort of system for myself. So, you know, 
I, I knew every single step of the way what I'd be doing with a client. Now, actually, even even now, not many, not that many coaches do that. So, I mean, a lot of coaches, as you know, will wing it with a client. The client sort of doesn't know they're winging it because obviously the coach has more expertise and authority than the client. But really, if the coach was being truthful to themselves, they might have maybe two or three parts to the process that they systemize. But Mm -hmm. after that, they kind of do wing it a little bit. I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And because results was, was a big part of what I wanted to achieve, I knew that that wasn't sensible. But I think all of us have, have have had the challenge when you've been with a with a with a client now obviously back in the day back in the you know mid 1990s um you know the internet was only born in 1993 wasn't it when cern gave us the internet so Mm. the internet was obviously not really around too much then so all our all our meetings with with clients would be we wouldn't be doing like what we're doing now of course yeah yeah, so you'd have to meet them literally face to face um and you'd, you'd you'd run through um Oh, you could do it by telephone, of course, and you'd run through um, what you what the what you wanted the client to do. You'd have a great call or a great meeting, and then the client would go away all enthusiastic and thinking, "Yeah, great, this is brilliant." Problem is, then that the all all the other business stuff took over. So they they you'd have their attention in that meeting, and then they'd go away, and then all of a sudden, all the all the other minutiae of of running a business takes over, doesn't it? And then hopefully, if they're if they're following the program, they'll put some time aside to to put in place. Mm-hmm whatever it is you discuss, but yep. by then they've kind of forgot about it and they've, you know, they might remembered some of it, so there might be a bit of toing and froing back to the coach or cons- um, asking, well, how do we do this? How do we do that? And I thought, this is, there's got to be a better way of doing it. So what, what I did was I created um, an implementation program for the clients as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the coaches work with, with the clients and then they guide the, the client through the process. We call it the core asset vault. It's it's basically an end-to-end system based on mm-hmm. um, the formula that we created, which which helps business owners grow their businesses. So so now when you have a call with a client, the client can actually go away. And even if they've got, you know, don't do anything for three days, they can then go to wherever they need. They can look at that mm-hmm. step by step and then they can implement that. Um, but obviously everything starts with getting results for the client. So you can't sure. build if you if you don't know what the system is to and generate how many consultants how many coaches do you uh, do you have as part of the core asset team right now got about 120 at the moment so is uh, what I, the reason one of the reason why i loved having this conversation with you uh, and so and now everyone has the context of what we are talking about is because uh, we work on two very different levels. Uh, you go to coaches and say, hey, you need a better system so then you can get better results and therefore get more work. Here is the system. I say, I trust you that you know your stuff and if you don't know your stuff, go back to work and, and create yeah. your own system, your own bloody system. But I can help you once you have that to become an authority in your field. Uh, so that's the, the kind of uh, the, the difference uh, here in the work that we do. And Absolutely. the way I grow my company and get clients is different probably to the way that uh, you mm. grow your company and get your clients. So what I would love to know is uh, in uh, expanding uh, your methodology, because I'm sure there are going to be people that are be listening here and they say, well, I got this great methodology. I've created it. I've been delivering it for years. I had great results with my clients. Uh, I now want to get out there and uh, uh, train people in using my methodology. Yeah. So what are some of the things, uh, um, let, let's, uh, let's start from this question. What were some of the things that you, that you found out that were not expected 
when you set out on this course of training other people? Some of the biggest learning points that you got from this process? Yeah, great question. I, w- I would say the, the biggest thing um, would be um, something I say a lot to our guys is, is I think when you, when you create systems as good as the ones that we've got and, 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 and you know, the ones that you've got, I think sometimes people take for granted that, okay, I've got a great system, a step-by-step system now. I don't have to work that hard. Mm. <laughs> it frustrates the hell out of me. So, so e- the thing is, what, what, what I think um, we've learned, which is really back to the question, is, that, um, is to actually impress upon people much more than we, we did in the, in the beginning. That, so, look, we have got a great step-by-step system. That's give you a massive shortcut, but it, it doesn't mean to say mm. you have to work any less hard to build a business. Because, but mm. as we all know, building a business isn't easy. And anyone that says building a business is easy doesn't know what they're talking about, and they've they've never done it. Or they've, <laughs> or they've been extremely yeah, or they've been unbelievably lucky, and as you know, that sort of doesn't work, does it? Um, so you know, it, the thing is, most people look at a successful person and they see the success. They they don't see what comes before that. And behind every successful person, there is hours and hours and hours of blood, sweat, tears, mm-hmm. you know, financial challenges along the way, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even though we give people a really good shortcut, I mean, we give them a hell of a lot of stuff to make them uh, become yeah. really successful. That still doesn't diminish their responsibility to work hard. And, you know, work ethic, as I know you uh, preach to, to all your guys, is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, you can definitely be a busy fool. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's putting the right um, type of effort in for the right things. But at the same time, you know, there's no substitute for, for putting the hours in and, and getting results. So I think that that was the first thing that I think was a was a massive steep learning curve for me that we we underplayed the importance of the, the work ethic and, and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, OK, we're giving you a big shock. But that doesn't doesn't mean so you, you shouldn't be working hard. I would say the other thing, and I and I still get this a lot, and I'm sure you see this with a lot of coaches and consultants, is mm-hmm. I have a saying that I say, look, give the industry the respect it deserves. And what and what I mean by that is I think there are a lot of coaches and consultants out there who become good at what they do and then they kind of rest on the laurels. Mm. And the the great thing about our business, as you know, is anybody can do it. Yep. So, you know, my sixteen year old daughter, bless her could literally tomorrow say hey daddy i'm going to be a, a business coach mm-hmm. and that nobody could stop her so yeah. i mean and bless her she'd probably do a really good job at it but what i'm trying to say by that is so that that that's a huge massive advantage for for everybody who wants to help yeah. influence the lives of other people you don't have to take no a you don't have to take an mba or do a spend hundreds of thousands of pounds and get a degree for 10 years and a master degree and a, a doctor now just say i'm a business coach cool absolutely okay. yeah which is which is fantastic now the downside of that is because it's so easy um what i found is that and, and i've met thousands of coaches and consultants as you have and um i find that obviously the top ones really do give the industry the respect it deserves you know people like you and i and, and a number of our students and, and people that work with us do give it the respect it deserves and what i mean mm-hmm. by that is that you know you spend time learning your craft you you work hard to, to, to get results for clients. You invest in your own uh, personal development, all that kind of stuff that, that yep. we all know is just so important. But I see a lot of people that really don't give the industry the respect it deserves. I mean, I, I 
I can go to some coaches and go, right, okay, tell, tell me how many books you've read in the last six months. And it'll be like, well, I haven't read any books. Mm. And I'm like, hang on a minute. If you really, if you really want to be in the top 1% of the top 1%, it's surprisingly not that difficult because most people don't give this industry the yeah, respect yeah, it deserves. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know where I'm coming from here. Yeah. If all you did was read a book a week, if you, you know, um, stuff like that, where you invest in yourself and you invest in your craft, it's surprisingly easy to to to, to become really good at this, but also to be head head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me is a constant frustration that I have with 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 my guys and I, and with coaches and consultants in general, and we work very very hard to reinforce that message a lot and i you know when i say a lot i mean virtually every time that we speak to our guys yeah. we communicate the importance of giving the industry that giving the coaching consultant industry the respect it deserves so i think those two things for me are the are, are the biggies and I, I and i do think if you if you do give the industry the respect it deserves you won't fail yeah Absolutely. Uh, so now I want to talk about uh, how then do you protect uh, your brand? Because uh, there is uh, also a risk. I mean, uh, people say, they're listening here, they say, well, okay, um, I have this methodology and I want to get it out there. I want to teach it to other people. But then now suddenly it's not you anymore that you're working with, your, uh, with, with people and uh, they're not even your employees. They are, yeah. they, they are independent business owners. So how do you protect the core asset brand, making sure that uh, the people that are, in, that are there, they are in a, keeping alignment with the core asset brand? Yeah, that's a good, really good question. I mean, uh, well, first and foremost, um, in terms of the branding, we do, we do allow our, our coaches to have their own branding. So they don't have to be a core, core asset official coach or whatever. They, they, why, why did you choose that? Why did you make that decision? Well, we've done both. <laughs> um, I'm comfortable with both, but I think the reason why... Um, so in the early days, we, we allowed our coaches to, to choose whether they wanted to be a Coruscant coach or you know, them, mm-hmm. themselves. We've kind of moved now where, where we give them much more control and authority in their own business. And I, I think you know, one of the things you talk a lot about is you know, to go in from expert to authority. It's got to be sort of a. It's got to be built around you, mm. um, particularly in our game. So, so I, I, I think that helps the coaches and consultants yeah. to be, to be, uh, to build the expert status around themselves rather than being around the core asset sort of thing, which I think is important. That. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, but but of course that still doesn't diminish the the task um, of protecting of the brand assets that we've got. So I mean, there's there's, there's a couple of things. I mean the. Um, when I first started creating content and, you know, selling information, marketing products, as, as, as you do, it was probably the, the guy that, that I looked up to most back then was a guy called Dan Kennedy, I'm sure you're familiar mm, with. Of course. In the yeah. States, yeah. And um, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm creating all this amazing IP and, and content, and I was, I was terrified of letting it go out into the public domain, even though people were paying for it, because I'm thinking, hang on a minute, everyone's going to rip me off and blah, blah, blah. And I was listening to a, a CD, I think, or a t- cassette, probably back then, when 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 Dan was talking about about information marketing, and he said, "Look, one thing you need to be not frightened of is giving mm. uh, giving yourself, giving your content. Don't worry about the IP. Obviously, put all the normal um, sort of constraints in place, like the copyright notices, all that kind of stuff. But look, 
99% of the people in the world are trusty, trustworthy, honest people. Um, you can't build a business based on the 1% who aren't. Yeah. yeah. And that really stuck with me there. And obviously, if, if, if we find anyone has infringed any copyright or IP, then, you know, we, we usually just send a cease and desist letter. But I'll be honest with you, I, I think I've only had to do that twice in 20 mm-hmm. years. So it's, I mean, there's obviously people that are doing it that we don't know about. But, yeah. you know, again, as long as you're evolving the business and you're developing the business, you know, you're leaving those people behind anyway. So I would say if you're looking to um, take what you've got at the moment, you build your expert business and then you're looking to get other coaches and consultants on board, which obviously is a great way to grow your business. Just don't be fearful of that fact that um, obviously put the put the constraints in that you normally would, but just common sense stuff um, mm. and just trust people. And if and if a very small percentage of those people um, are dis- dishonest, then just just come down with them. Usually it won't go much further than a cease and desist letter, yep. which will cost you maybe 150 pounds from the from a lawyer. Um, and you know the the brand is protected. If obviously it depends on how um, how much you need to protect the brand identity and all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm. Whereas with us now, our our I think our most important um, thing in terms of protecting is just how how we grow businesses. Sure. So we have something called the formula, which we allow our coaches and consultants to use and to pass it off as their own. I haven't got a problem with that. What where where I think we are more stringent on is just making sure that they deliver results for clients. You know, after mm. all, if you remember what I said way back yeah, it was yeah. if you focus the business on results then that you know that's going to stand in good stead so a lot of our training is based around with our coaches and consultants just making sure that they've really nailed the formula yeah. they know exactly how to implement that in, into a client's and, business and what kind of model do you use because uh, i know that there are different models in this industry uh, you have a franchise model so for example people buy a franchise uh, and that's a found that they are the one that most of the time they are the strictest rule in terms yeah. of you can you must use our logos you must use our business card you must use our marketing material you cannot promote yourself outside the franchise so generally those ones are the strictest one and you pay a retainer to keep using that model um where where did you where did you go in terms of your own business model they pay a one off fee to be part of to be able to use your, yeah. your the intellectual property that you have created is a recurring uh, revenue both uh, yeah 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 let me explain i mean my background as well. So, so there's a bit in the middle of my career that I met my business partner, one of my business partners called mm. Pete Finley. And Pete and I built um, Europe's largest um, franchise consultancy group. And we sold that back in se- September 2007. So, uh, I mean, Pete is a whiz when it comes to franchising. It's all he's done. He's, he's 65 now for 45 years. That's all he's done is build franchising mm. businesses. And that's how I got to met Pete. And, um, so obviously I've been kind of brought up on this wealth of expertise and knowledge on franchising, licensing, that sort of stuff that Pete was heavily involved in. Um, and we did consider franchising uh, the core asset. Um, you know, I would say, you know, big competitor of is Action Coach, people like that. And mm-hmm. I don't know, business doctors, you must come yep. across yeah, yeah. those guys. You're good businesses. But but what, I, what we didn't want to do was prevent good people from getting on board and but because of uh, the massive commitment, the upfront commitment, I think Action Coach now are charging 69000 and then they charge yeah. upfront and then £1,500 a month or whatever it may be, which is fine. It works for them, their business model. But for us, we didn't want to – we actually – not only do we really want to help clients build 
great businesses. We really want coaching consultants to succeed. So as long as the coaching consultants are um, ambitious and serious about um, working, then that's good enough for us. So our model is, uh, it's a recurring model. Mm-hmm. Basically, coaches and consultants pay us just under, a, if it's in the UK, it's just under £1,000 every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's overseas, it's thousand dollars Mm-hmm. US dollars and then they pay that every quarter um, so that's that's the model really so it's, it's a recurring membership model obviously mm-hmm. they can pay monthly as well yeah uh, but that that works well so we're invested in the coaches they're invested in us mm-hmm. um, they can cancel at any time just like your programs which yeah. is the best way to run it so it, it, it means that we're kept on our tours to make sure that we deliver what we promise and, 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 and if they cancel then you give a do they keep it the the entire the entire material that they have because someone could just you know sign up for a month to get everything and then and then cancel um have you ever come across someone doing that or how do you deal with that situation well we 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 have a a, um our terms and conditions do prevent them from just doing that um but no doubt there will be if you know because you know as you know in a membership type model you are going to lose people of course and Mm -hmm. of course we do um, so again, you just got to trust 99% of the people are trust, trusting honest people. But, you know, I, I guess there could be one or two people out there that have taken advantage of that. But I, I, I don't lose any sleep over that. You know, ultimately, yeah. um, you know, as long as they're using the, what they've got for good, then I, I can sleep easy at night on that. But, you know, I, again, I, I, it's not something that, that, that worries me. And, uh, you know, if people are that concerned about ripping other people off, then... Um, you know, let them get on with it. I've, you know, it's, yeah, there's too a, many more important things to to do to, to worry it's about. To care about. Like, yeah, and like I said, most people, you know, almost everybody is is honest. If they genuinely came into our business, and we do get people, and they look at it and they think, yeah. and after going through our, we have a 21 day sort of initial training course. They go they go through that, and they they genuinely don't think it's for them. Then you know, we 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 just give them the money back in mm-hmm. the first 30 days. Uh, is a I really like the way you've built that model, because uh, is a one of the things that uh, is is crucial to become an authority in your field is to be able to build your own uh, to be able to build your own result and to be able mm. to build your own brand. That what makes yeah. you an authority. Otherwise, uh, if you are just tied to a franchise, you can have a good business, but then now you're tied to that. Uh, uh, or to, to that methodology, you're associated to other people, and now you're competing with a lot of other people doing the same things. While I really like the way you're structured, because definitely, you know, for anyone to create their own model, their own intellectual property, and we've been through that for the past two and a half years with GTEx, mm-hmm. is a lot of time. It is a lot of money that you put in. It is design work. It is resources. It is PDF. It is structure. It is systems. And um, it's great because we have them, but man, it's been grueling to create those resources. uh, And there was a lot of time and a lot of money spent in order to create something of quality. It's not just a Word document (laughs) that, that, that people are going to use. So definitely being part of an organization like this can give you a massive advantage. Uh, on that side, but uh, uh, it's always really important if your goal is to be an authority in your field. If, if it is not, that's fine. Do whatever you want. But if your goal is to become the best of the best, then it's really important that you build something on your own personal brand. Then whatever tools you use is fine. 
um, you can use uh, something that you have developed, you can use something like core assets, that's absolutely your choice. The most important thing is that you give the client, you pay respect to this industry, <laughs> you give the yeah. clients the results that they, they deserve and they are expecting. And then uh, you have also the freedom to be the total leader that uh, you can be because that's how you become an authority in your field is by being seen as a thought leader. Yeah. So it was a really insightful conversation uh, in particular for everyone that now is thinking, okay, I want to train other people. I want to have other people, uh, you know, waving the flag <laughs> of uh, what I've created over the past number of years. Because then now you can have, in your case, you can have a, a huge ripple effect. It, it can mm. impact away more businesses that you could absolutely. just impact by yourself and on your own. So that's why I absolutely love it. Uh, is there one thing that uh, is worth sharing uh, or that is important uh, for our listeners to know that we haven't talked about that in, in this topic before we wrap up? Yeah, I think um, when you said to me at the start, like, have a think of something, whether it's been an app or, or, or a book or a message that, that somebody's um, said to you that you think could have an impact on, on the listeners. It's a great question. And one of the things that comes to mind is um, when... When I was playing um, at Leicester, they, we just won the double. Um, so we won the league and the cup. And then um, the club sacked the coach, believe it or not. So he'd won the double. <laughs> they sacked the coach. Why? Uh, I'll tell you why in a second. So okay. He's, he, he's a guy called Tony Russ, who was a top bloke, really nice bloke, excellent coach. Um, we've just won the double. And then rugby went professional. And then they, they basically sacked him. And they sacked... They, they got rid of him because they wanted, they felt that they needed to bring someone in who was, had a higher standing in the game. Now, bearing in mind, Tony Russ was, he just, he was the first ever employed head coach of a club in rugby union because somehow the club managed to get around the, I don't know, some, whatever legislation there was at the time. So they could pay the, the coach, but obviously not the players. And uh, I think he was he was director of rugby for got to be six, seven, eight years through the kind of the transition through to professionalism. Mm -hmm. And then literally, as, as soon as we went professional, the club got rid of him, which is pretty um, shocking at the time. And all the players were like, oh, my God, what, what have the club done? And they brought this guy in called Bob Dwyer. Now, you won't have heard of him, but Bob had just won the World Cup with Australia. Um, he's a he's a legendary coach. And um, the club bought Bob in to obviously take us through that initial few few years of, of professionalism. And one of the things that he said that has always stuck with me, and it's something that I talk to all our guys about, um, and you know the saying that practice makes perfect? Mm -hmm. Well, what he said was, no, 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 no. It's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. And that, that, that really stood with me that, I mean, I know a few people have said perfect practice makes perfect, but I think Bob in my mind, so that was back in 1995. He's probably the first person to come up with that. I'd never heard of it before. And it really stuck with me. And what he meant by that from a rugby context, it meant, look, whatever we do, whatever we do, whether we're on the training park, whether it's, whether you're at home, whatever it may be, we're going to, you're going to do as if you're playing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everything we do, we, you're going to pretend that it's in the heat of a, a proper game. So, for example, just a little thing. If you drop the ball in training, you know, that's it's not a time to giggle. You know, that's like 
it's a shocking thing to do to drop a ball because mm-hmm. obviously in a game situation, you drop a ball, you lose the possession, yep. and it takes on average something like nine tackles to get it back, which is huge. Yeah. And so that for me was something that's really important. So bringing that into the coaching and consulting um, sort of uh, situation, what we mean by that is, look, so if you're, if obviously you should practice doing, you know, if you're if you've got a meeting with a client, it's your mm-hmm. first meeting the client you should practice what you're going to do before that shouldn't you yeah because you don't want to do you don't want to be your first meeting with a client to be the first time you've ever done it Mm -hmm. so what you should do is you should try and mirror as closely as you can that meeting so you know get somebody else to to do it with you know whether it's a friend a colleague or whatever but you actually do it as if it's a proper meeting you know do it as perfectly as you can so when you come to that meeting with a with a client you're going to deliver it as perfectly as you Mm -hmm. can and obviously none of us are perfect but the premise is you know perfect practice makes perfect it 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 really has stuck with me ever since and it was massive at the time and um, I don't think it's any different now and I don't think it'll ever change but I think it's a really good way to approach things you know kind of just yeah be your best you know, in any, in any situation, whether it is uh, the real game or uh, whether there is a practice, uh, it's about how you show up. And uh, I, being, a, being a, a, a professional sport person myself, uh, I, <laughs> I definitely can relate with that. Uh, when we are training, we are training. We are like we are in the game. When we are training, we Absolutely. are giving our, we are giving even more than what we have in the game. Uh, where that's Absolutely. Because... Uh, then uh, that's where you know you have uh, that extra edge to give in the game. So uh, when we got to train, we finish the train, and uh, we got we got to be exhausted. Like <laughs> it's uh, training time. Then oh, you can, exactly you can sleep it off. <laughs> I mean, if we've got time for a very quick story, just on that, um, when we obviously used to play mainly on a on a Saturday, sometimes a Sunday, but mainly on a Saturday. Mm. So obviously the week is structured to leading up to the game, just like you with basketball. Yeah, yeah. And um, we would then, so so it would take us rough. It would take about two days to get over a, mm. a game of rugby, okay, just because of the physical nature of it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. typically, I played, yeah, I played once rugby, and uh, man, I mean, we never met in person, but I'm small. I play. I played once rugby. I said never again. <laughs> never. I, got, I was I, bruised I, and battered. Every, everywhere hurt. Well, I wasn't one of the big monster guys. I played on the wing, so I was, I was a fast guy, not not a massive guy. Uh-huh. Mind you, now they're, they're massive and fast. But um, yeah, so we so we we we'd, we'd kind of do a swimming session on Sunday after the game to kind of rehab, and then Monday would be a walk through of the game. You'd, they'd have video analysis and all the players, mm-hmm. which was painful um, if you'd had a bad game. Mm-hmm. And then probably Tuesday we'd do a, a full contact session, and you know this. Perfect practice makes perfect. Just as you were saying um, with your team is that we do a, a full contact session, okay? And you've got people like Martin Johnson, six foot six, massive. Dean Richards, six foot five, massive. All, you know, 18, 19, yeah. 20 store. But they would treat those sessions harder than a match. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fearful. I mean, the amount, the amount of fights that you break out in training just because of the intensity of, of those sessions was huge. But it's one of the reasons why we were so successful. And mm-hmm. um, it's because of just the attitude of the perfect practice makes perfect philosophy that, you know, training was 
as you said, as as close, if not even more intensive, sometimes than mm. the than the games. Because obviously the difference is when you're when you're in a squad, and you've you've talked about it a lot about you know being on the sidelines is so frustrating yeah. when when you're not playing. But actually, when you take that into rugby context as well, it'd be no different in basketball. The guys that are itching to get your position are going to try 15, 20% harder. Whereas, whereas I want that spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas on a Saturday, you're playing against the opposition who clearly want to win. But actually, I, I found that if you're in a situation where you've got elite athletes and those guys are really, really looking to, to get your position, those training sessions are very, very, very intense. And yeah. a lot of them are more intense than even a game, which was, which was a revelation back in the Absolutely. Days. And in particular, if you, are, if you are playing in a top team... I mean, uh, that's what, one of the things that I found. Uh, we, weren't, uh, we were the top team in the fourth division in the, in the National League in the UK. There are four divisions. So mm. uh, we won the fourth one. Now we are in the third one. And uh, we, ha- we were better than the majority of the team in our region. And so even when we were training, when I'm training with, uh, with my teammate, mm. for me, it's actually more difficult to play with them because we are the top, then actually to play against the, the teams that we are playing. Of course, yeah. It, it is something that, uh, and uh, you become better so fast because you're playing against the top. That's also why it's important to be part of, a, of an elite team because even if you are not uh, playing, I, I'm playing uh, maybe like a few minutes a game, so I'm not definitely the first pick of the coach. Uh, I'm generally the coach puts me on uh, if we are winning by a lot or we are losing by a lot if we are there i'm not seeing the game even if i yeah, traveled yeah. the five hours to get to the yeah, game. but i get it because yeah, uh, yeah. we want to win and mm. but because of that situation i'm giving a hundred times more just because i see everyone else which is so good and that's uh, the beauty of being part of a team and we can translate this to business Absolutely. When you're part of a team which is high-performing, you become high-performing yourself. Or you just leave yeah. because they ca- you cannot keep up. Mm. <laughs> or yeah, you, you get become yeah, you high-performing or you just leave because you cannot handle it and you feel crap about yourself. <laughs> like <laughs> These are the two things. So, Steve, it's been a- an absolute pleasure having this interview with you. If someone wants to reach out to you, know more about the core assets, the work that you do, uh, what's the best way? Yeah, just go to thecoreasset.com. They can, they can, if they're if they're um, looking to get involved from a coaching or consulting point of view, there's links on the bottom of the, all all the pages to find find out more. If they're if they're a client that want to grow their business, they can they can obviously look around that site as well. So yeah, thecoreasset.com. Brilliant, coreasset.com. The link is going to be in the show notes. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for joining today. Yeah, it's been great, Simone. Thanks a lot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, watching or listening. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you subscribe right now on your favorite podcasting platform. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao.